the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Pastor Keith Crosby of Hillside Church. When we have wrong attitudes, the important things and the important people seem less important. And the sovereign and holy God, the King of the universe, our Father and Savior, seem less important. And we do things that we shouldn't do because we entertain wrong desires and they infect and infest our thinking and we develop wrong attitudes and we do things, we consider things that we should never consider. I can see the promised land Though there's pain within the plan There is victory in the end Your love is my battle cry for all my life Every dragon will fall The mountains will move Every chain of the past You've broken into All the fear of the lies We're singing the truth That nothing is impossible With you Hello and welcome to today's edition of Grace to Live with Keith Crosby, Senior Pastor at Hillside Church in San Jose, California. We are so happy that you've chosen to spend time with us on the program today. And as always, we would encourage you to follow along with us in your Bibles if you can. On today's broadcast, Pastor Keith continues our walk through the Sermon on the Mount with his successful Kingdom Living teaching series. So if you have your Bibles... Please turn with us today to the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 5. Now here's Pastor Keith with today's study. Do not be deceived, right? It brought forth death. Lust conceived, desire conceived. She wanted what she couldn't have. She turned it over in her mind. It looked good to her. She focused on it. She dwelt on it. And bang, sin and death enters the world. We see, we desire, we die. Desire conceives sin. Sin brings forth death. You've got to detach and discard If your right eye causes you to sin, tear it out and throw it away. For it is better that you lose one of your members than your whole body be thrown into hell. And if your right hand causes you to sin, cut it off and throw it away. For it is better that you lose one of your members than your whole body be thrown into hell. Detach and discard. There are persons, places, and things in your life that have to go, that you can't afford. That's what's going on here. When Jesus talks about tearing out the right eye and cutting off the right hand, He's using hyperbole. He's making a point because everybody and most everybody in that day, even like today, most people are right-handed and the right eye was the dominant eye. And socially, you could not use your left hand for reasons I will not go into for shaking hands or putting it on the table when you're eating in Palestine and the Middle East. Even to this day, you usually put it under your thigh or keep it off the table. And for you to cut your right hand off, first of all, if you're right-handed, that's a big deal. Secondly, socially, you're going to be on the outs. And Jesus is saying, don't let any desire, don't let any intent of your heart come between you and God. 
detach and discard it. Get rid of it. So what can you do about that? Well, there's a couple of things you can do. One, identify your triggers and eliminate them. Like Eddie, don't go to work that way or get another job. Whatever it takes, change of job, change of friends, change in patterns, cancel the subscription, stop going to the gym, stop posting on social media, stop going online altogether. Whatever it is that trips you up, get a flip phone. You know, whatever it is. And we're not just talking about good old-fashioned sexual lust. Whatever it is that puts wrong desires in your head that causes you to stumble or that causes you to cause other people to stumble, detach and discard it. Get rid of it. Stop feeling sorry for yourself. You're not a victim. You're the perpetrator. Let no one say when he is tempted that I'm being tempted by God. For God cannot himself be tempted, nor does he tempt anyone. Detach and discard. It is of supreme importance to successful kingdom living. All right, so we detach and discard. That's our first initiative. Then what? What do we do now? That brings us to initiative number two. Then what do we do? Then we must detach and discard inappropriate attitudes, bad attitudes. Where do we see that? Well, I want you to consider the thinking, the link between your desires and the attitudes that begin to manifest themselves and the actions that they'll lead to. I want you to consider the grouping here of adultery and divorce. Look at verse 31. It was also said, whoever divorces his wife, let him give her a certificate of divorce. But I say to you that everyone who divorces his wife, except on the ground of sexual immorality, makes her commit adultery, and whoever marries a divorced woman commits adultery. Before we go any further, let me talk about what this passage is not dealing with. It's not dealing with divorce and remarriage. Why? Because then there is the assumption there's going to be remarriage. And and I'll teach on this more comprehensively some other time. But in 1 Corinthians chapter 7... We have Paul's teaching on that, which is the same teaching that Jesus would endorse because the Holy Spirit inspired the whole New Testament. And in in 1 Corinthians 7, there are three people groups. The agamos, uh, the unmarried, uh, the widow, and the virgin or the betrothed. The virgin, naturally, is somebody who's never been married. They're betrothed, maybe. The widow is somebody who's been married but lost a spouse to death. And the agamas, gamas, has to do with marriage. Ah is a no or un or d. The demarried, the unmarried, of somebody who was married before. And Paul gives the, the, all the requirements there that God has about marriage, divorce, and remarriage. And we'll get into that some other time. But what we're teaching about here are attitudes. And in the Jewish law, they said, you know what? There were two schools of thinking. There was the school of Shammai and the school of Hillel. Hillel says she blew the bacon, eggs, and grits. Get rid of her, okay? You can divorce your wife for any old reason. And Shammai, who had it right, said, "Uh uh-uh. That is a covenant made between you and God. Tread lightly. And in that day, just like in this day, you know, when the going gets tough, the tough get going. And they bailed on marriage in that day, just like people bail on marriage today. Marriage is difficult. It's one of the most glorious things you'll ever do. And one of the most difficult things, I want you to look at how this plays out here. I want you to listen to the Pharisees' thinking in Matthew 19, 1 through 11. And the Pharisees came up to him and tested him by asking, Is it lawful to divorce one's wife for any cause? See the attitude there, any cause? He answered, Have you not read that he who created them from the beginning made them male and female? And said, Therefore a man shall leave his father and mother and hold fast to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. So they are no longer two, but one flesh. What therefore God has joined together, let not man separate. They said to him, 
then why did Moses command one to give a certificate of divorce and to send her away? He said to them, look what he says. It's about their attitudes. Because of the hardness of your heart, Moses allowed you to divorce your wives, but from the beginning it was not so. And I say to you, whoever divorces his wife except for sexual immorality and marries another commits adultery. The disciples said to him, if such is the case for a man and his wife, it is better not to marry. But he said to them, not everyone can receive this saying, but to those to whom it is given. He's speaking to the people of God here. This is the Shammai Hillel thing. They're working through there, and Jesus is saying, forget Shammai. He's got it right, but what it's really about is God and his plan for marriage. You are not to take it lightly. You are not to regard the commandments of God lightly. The certificate of divorce was to, was to show the woman had been put out by her husband. It wasn't because she was unvirtuous. It was because the husband had a lousy attitude toward marriage. Where do these attitudes begin? They begin in the mind. Marriage is hard work. You get glued together to us, another sinner, and you're with them pretty much 24-7, 365 days a year without weekends off. And when you put two sinners together, sin increases exponentially. Add a couple of kids to the scenario, more exponential sin. Marriage is the most glorious thing you'll ever do and the hardest job you'll ever have. I'm going to change that analogy for next service when my wife is here. No, just kidding. But anyway, so, so she's in the uh, stepping forward class at 9 a.m. But seriously... They had hollowed out the law. They had developed a casual attitude toward marriage. And Jesus is saying, there are some attitudes you just cannot have. We have the battlefield is the mind. And the problem is with our desires, which then infect and contaminate our attitudes toward the most important things that there are. That's why Paul wrote in Colossians 3.19 about attitudes. Husbands, love your wives and do not be harsh with them. The NAS says embittered towards them. Do not have a, an embittered attitude toward them. Do not be harsh with them. You know, Adam says when God says to, oh, says to Adam, so what, what, did, what happened here? And he goes, the woman you gave me, he had a bad attitude. He was harsh with her, harsh about her. There are certain attitudes that must be identified, detached, and discarded. The writer of Hebrews says this in Hebrews 12, 15, and 16. See to it that no one fails to obtain the grace of God, that no root of bitterness springs up and causes trouble, and by it may many become defiled, that no one is sexually immoral or unholy like Esau who sold his birthright for a single meal. That's worth a series right there. But basically, Esau had unholy attitudes. He was casual about important things like his birthright. He was impulsive. He didn't think. He had wrong desires. He married outside of the faith, as we know. And when he was hungry, he forfeited everything because he was the most important thing in his life. He had a terrible attitude. And you see that root of bitterness explained there, putting it in 21st century modern contexts, particularly since we're in California where nobody repairs anything, uh, governmentally speaking anyway. You know, you have a sidewalk. Underneath it is a, is a, is a tree of a, of, a, of a root of a tree. And you can't see that root growing. But it rains sometimes in Northern California, not necessarily in Southern California. It rains, it gets watered, it gets nourished, and it grows. That attitude, that root of bitterness grows, and eventually it breaks through the sidewalk. And then you see it after years and years when its ugliness has been manifested and people stumble over it like a wrong attitude towards marriage. People get mad at each other in marriage. They nourish the wrong kinds of things. They have desires they shouldn't have maybe for people, places, or things they shouldn't have. 
and they begin to take a dim view of marriage and a dim view of their spouse. And pretty soon all they're doing is focusing on their spouse's faults. And all they can see is that fault. They can't see their spouse, the gift of God that God has loaned them. And they take a casual attitude towards marriage. If your right eye causes you to sin, tear it out and throw it away. For it is better that you lose one of your members than your whole body be thrown into hell. And if your right hand causes you to sin, cut it off and throw it away. For it is better that you lose one of your members than your whole body go into hell. When we have wrong attitudes, the important things and the important people seem less important. And the sovereign and holy God, the king of the universe, our father and savior, seem less important. And we do things that we shouldn't do because we entertain wrong desires and they infect and infest our thinking and we develop wrong attitudes and we do things, we consider things that we should never consider. And do not be deceived, it's our fault because God does not tempt anyone nor can he himself be tempted by evil, but each person is tempted and carried away by his own desires and he develops the wrong kind of attitudes and he or she does the wrong kind of thing. So what can you do? Identify those attitudes, weigh them in the scales of scripture and do them violence. It's the only violence you're allowed to do. It's the only thing you're allowed to hate is wrong attitude. Test your motives, test your desires and do whatever it takes. Get help. What, can you, what do you mean? Accountability, confrontation, self-confrontation, whatever it takes. Work on your heart. Focus on the good things. Discipline your mind. You know, in Philippians 4, 6, 7, and 8, we love to quote that, but verses 8 and 9 are really great. Whatever is beautiful, whatever is lovely, whatever is worthy of good repute, dwell on these things, the things you have seen and, and heard from me. Practice these things, and the, th- and, the th- and the peace of God will be with you. Dwell on the good things. Dwell on the right things. Find the good. Dwell on it and practice it because it's hard. Because this life is tough. Because there's all kinds of things to cause you to stumble. And you have to discipline and practice that type of thinking so that your attitude remains godly. And so that people can see Christ in you as you engage in successful kingdom living. All right. Blessed are they that mourn, for they shall be comforted. Mourn over your sin. Mourn over your desires. Mourn over your bad attitudes. So, detach and discard inappropriate desires. Detach and discard inappropriate attitudes. And three, we must detach and discard inappropriate action. We have to, humanly speaking, act right. Now, a lot of times we act right, but we have terrible desires and attitudes in our hearts that we're just too cowardly to act on. That doesn't mean we're right with God. But when we have right thinking and right attitudes, it leads to right actions. And so we're able to detach and discard, to put off the things that displease God, that cause others to stumble, that bring reproach upon the name of Jesus Christ. Where do we see that? We see this in verse 33 through 37. Again, you have heard that it was said to those of old, you shall not swear falsely. He is unpacking the Ten Commandments here, right? You shall not swear falsely, but shall perform to the Lord what you have sworn. But I say to you, do not take an oath at all, either by heaven, for it is the throne of God, or by the earth, for it is his footstool, or by Jerusalem, for it is the city of the great king. And do not take an oath by your head, for you cannot make one hair white or black. Let what you say be simply yes or no. Anything more than this comes from evil. Some translations say comes from the evil one. Jesus isn't prohibiting vows. I mean, John Baptist took a Nazarite vow, right? 
What he's cautioning against, what he is prohibiting, is promises and commitments and vows and oaths lightly taken, rashly made, extravagant promises that you can't deliver. That's why he says, he quotes the passage, perform to the Lord what you have sworn. I think of marriage vows, for better, for worse, for richer, for poorer, sickness and in health, till death us do part. People in that day, if you've ever traveled to the Middle East, it's still a problem there, and it's a problem in certainly in 21st century Western civilization, America. Everybody lies all the time there. They make all the, nobody believes anybody. It was funny. I was there, and an Israeli was telling me about how people lie all the time. He was telling a group of people that I was with, everybody lies here, and they'll make all kinds of extravagant claims. That is a, a Middle Eastern problem. It's an ancient Near Eastern problem, too, and it is a Western problem today. People swear on their children. They swear to God. They swear on their mother's grave. They swear on their own heads. Now, in Jesus' time, saying, I swear to God, could get you killed. Oh, don't we long for the good old days. But what he's talking about here is this one-upmanship, this thing where you've, nobody trusts you, nobody believes you anymore, and so you just got to make the most crazy promise the most crazy statement that gives you some visage, some semblance of credibility. I remember growing up, and I'm sure none of you have ever done this, but uh, remember I dare you, I double dog dare you, I double double dog dare you, okay? This is kind of like that. And what's happening here is everybody's culturally an inveterate liar, and you've got to find some way to get people to believe you. And so Jesus is saying, just do what you promise. Just keep your word. Show yourself to be credible. Just live an honest life. If you've been saved by grace, if you've been indwelt by the Holy Spirit, if you've been transformed from the inside out in a 2 Corinthians 5.17 kind of way, just keep your word. Just perform. But I say to you, do not take an oath at all, either by heaven, for it is the throne of God, or by earth, for it is his footstool, or by Jerusalem, for it is the city of the great king. And do not take an oath by your head, For you cannot make a hair white or black. Let what you say simply be yes or no for anything more than this comes from evil. The larger lesson here is to think before you speak, to think before you act. Don't be such a cultural liar that nobody takes you seriously anyway. I mean, politicians make promises. Does anybody really think Democrat, Republican, Libertarian, Green, Orange, whatever, they're going to keep them. I mean, really. Some people will say anything to get you to do something for them. Just keep your word. Let what you say simply be yes or no. Anything more than this is evil. In other words, stop living like the world. Don't entertain. Detach and discard the wrong kinds of desires. Detach and discard the wrong kinds of attitudes. And detach and discard the wrong kinds of of actions because they're all interwoven like strands in a cord. On a small scale, return your calls, answer your texts, show up on time, do what you say you're going to do. Don't say, oh, I can't believe I did that. I promise you it'll never, ever happen again. Never, ever happen again in the next 20 or 30 years. You can guarantee that. Flat tire, rainstorm, nobody knows how to drive in the rain here. No, you, you can't do that. See, Honor your commitments. That's what he's saying. Live like a Christian. Have this attitude which was in Christ Jesus. Although he was in the form of God, he did not regard equality with God a thing to be grasped. But he made himself of no account and was obedient to the point of death. Death on a cross. You know, 
Sometimes you have to sacrifice. Just do it. It's like the Nike commercial. Just do it. Don't make extravagant promises. Don't make promises you can't keep. Don't do it. Live like a follower of Jesus Christ. And if on a larger scale, if you've damaged your credibility as a Christian, then you know what? Accept the fact it's going to take months or years to recover it through successful kingdom living, through living out your faith in a compelling way, not through extravagant promises. Just do as you promise, and over time you'll prove yourself reliable. Show yourself worthy of trust. And if you need to establish your credibility, understand, don't feel sorry for yourself. Nobody made you do it. You did it to yourself, and it's going to take work. All right, so let's review. Detach and discard wrong attitudes, inappropriate attitudes, uh, excuse me, desires. Detach and discard inappropriate attitudes. Detach and discard inappropriate actions. These, this is the starting point to real and lasting biblical change. It's not just not doing stuff, though. We want to understand that. You know, in Ephesians, it talks, and in Colossians, it talks about putting off and putting on. But first, you've got to get rid of the people, places, and things that cause you to sin and that through which Satan causes you to cause others to sin and through which and by which you may be in the position to bring reproach upon the name of Christ. All right, and the ultimate application here is this. When you leave here today, take an inventory of your life. Take an inventory of your thoughts. Take an inventory of your situations and your circumstances and your attitudes and your actions and compare it to what Jesus is saying here. Weigh it in the scales of scriptures and take these initiatives here and make them concrete action that you think about, that you think through, and that in your fallen way, empowered and indwelt by the Holy Spirit, guided by the word of God and encouraged by the church, the people of God, that you put into action. Consider, consider your ways, as it says in Haggai. Let me give you a resource. There's a resource. One of the best, if you're discipling anyone between the ages of 8 and 80, and we can extend that to 90 for some of you. Um, this book, Changed in His Image, written by G- Jim Berg, it is probably the best book I have ever read, and I've read a ton over the years on biblical change. Now, there's a downside. The Bible quotations are in the King James. Sometimes that's hard to read for some people. He wrote this to disciple his teenage children, and he said in the process he ended up discipling his own heart. Changed in his image. You can get the book and the workbook. They have a version for high school students with diminished reading capabilities like in these modern days in which we live. It's a great book. You've got your own Bible. You can take the book, take your Bible, and walk and coach somebody through it. I guarantee if somebody gave it to me for graduation from seminary years and years ago, and I wondered, now, are you trying to tell me something or just being nice to me? But I used it. It helped. You know, and what? I'll tell you the fact. Use it two or three times in a lifetime. It won't kill you. Changed in his image by Jim Berg. Let's pray. Father, help us, O God. Help us as fallen, broken creatures, saved by your grace, indwelt by your spirit, guided by your word, and encouraged by our brothers and sisters in Christ to live out our faith in a compelling, encouraging way so that people might see us as we let our light shine before men and women and give glory to our Father who is in heaven. And they might ask us, a reason for the hope that lies within us, and that we might answer them with meekness, gentleness, and respect. Father, help us to discard, to detach and discard the desires we have that drove nails into the hands and feet of the Savior. Father, help us to detach and discard the attitudes that we entertain that put a crown of thorns on his head. And Father, help us to detach and discard the actions that these things bear out, Lord. 
Help us not to commit adultery in our mind or our heart. Help us, Lord, uh, not to divorce, Lord, but to love the one that you've given us. Help us not to make rash vows, but above all, Lord, help us, Lord, to live right side up in this upside down world, in this broken and hurting world, so that we can engage in successful kingdom living for the glory of God, for the good of others, and for our own as well. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Pastor Keith Crosby on today's edition of Grace to Live. We are so blessed that you've chosen to spend time with us today studying God's Word. And if you'd like more information on Pastor Keith or Hillside Church, here's how you can connect with us. Our mailing address is 545 Hillsdale Avenue in San Jose, California, 95136. The church office telephone line is area code 408 269 4782. And you can connect with us on our website, which is gracetoliveradio.org. There you can check out archived messages of past sermons and also listen to Pastor Keith's weekly blog. And please remember that the Grace to Live Radio program is a listener supported ministry outreach of Hillside Church if you'd like to partner with us financially. Again, all of these things are available to you on our website, gracetoliveradio.org. Also, I'd like to remind you that Pastor Keith and the staff here at Hillside always look forward to hearing from you. So if you'd like to drop us a note, you can email us here at keith at hillside.org and also at jono at hillside.org. That's J-O-N-O at hillside.org. Well, we hope that you'll join us again next time for Grace to Live. But until then, I'm your host, Kevin Reeves. And on behalf of Pastor Keith and everyone here at Hillside Church, it is our prayer that the Lord will richly bless you. And thanks for listening. General Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.